On this episode of Resi Week, Sony's commitment to CI, smart home insurance, and the battle for next week. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 252. Work on, not in. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Vanco International. Learn the technology behind the award-winning EVOIP, AV over IP system. Become EVOIP certified today. And by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week, your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I am pleased to be joined by uh, two of my close friends. First, we have Mr. Jeremy Glowacki. He is the executive editor at Residential Tech Today. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing well. Happy uh, Thanksgiving. Apparently, you celebrated, even though you're Canadian, because your wife is not from Canada. So that's awesome. I did. And no, she's not from Canada. But she's here now, so we we kind of we we double dip mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. It seems very appropriate. It right? does, yeah. Um, good call. Yeah, it's fantastic. Two different kinds of uh, cranberry sauce, none of the canned <laughs> stuff. It was. We uh, had three different types of stuffing. Ooh, which was not a popular decision. It's a lot of carbs, but what is you know. what is the third style? Because there's the the wet in the bird. None of this has to do with tech. The wet in the bird, <laughs> the dry outside of the bird. What's the third style? Um, there was a more of a cornmeal type style that, uh, mm. apparently was our future vice president's recipe that my wife had to do for political reasons. And, uh, I can get so, down with cornmeal. So it was like, it was like kind of like a Southern-ish style. I think, right. um, I was going to say down here in Atlanta, it'd be some kind of a stuffing casserole. Mm. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. That right there is Mr. Ken Eagle. He's the Senior Global Director of Training for Athlona. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm hungry now. I know, right? <laughs> That's why I keep a little container of chips. So when you guys are answering questions, Smart man. I can munch on the carbs that Jeremy doesn't seem to like. But I do. So there we go. All right. We're going to kick this off uh, again. Happy post Thanksgiving. Hopefully you had a great week and you didn't spend all of uh, Thursday night and Friday and, and and Monday when we're recording this right now, shopping online. Uh, and if you did, hopefully you supported somebody local, maybe, sort of. <laughs> um, I tried. They didn't have what I wanted, so I went to the big box. That's how that works. All right, uh, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from Residential Systems. Uh, after a seven-year hiatus, Jeff Goldstein has rejoined Sony Electronics. We We touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when this was originally announced. And this is a great interview uh, with Cindy Davis uh, about Sony's commitment to the channel. So read through the article. He touches on a a lot of key things, going back to the fact that Sony was a a founding member of the the CD association. And uh, uh, Jeff was involved even back then. Uh, Fast forwards into their their CD Expo virtual event and kind of the, the, the big splash shall we say uh that they made in that virtual event in in setting up their entire booth in their uh i believe west coast 
HQ and doing a ton of virtual stuff and, and announcing a lot of really good things. So he's, he's really talking to Cindy about their commitment to the, cha- to the, to the channel in general. Jeremy, let, let me start with you on this. How do you, um, or, or how do we, how do we judge commitment to the channel from, from manufacturers? Because I, I'd argue that you don't have any manufacturers that will come right out and say, yeah, we're not, we're not committed to your channel, but there are definitely manufacturers that, that seem to do it better than others at different, different levels and different points. How would you, how would you describe or, or, or kind of create a checklist of things that you want to see for manufacturers to, to show their commitment to our channel? Well, it would clearly be easier for an integrator, a dealer to, to be able to answer all of those questions. But I would say that you would start with some sort of a dedicated um, communication line, somewhere to reach a person who is your channel um, contact, your, the, the supervisor of the channel, and to be able to get tech support directly as opposed to going through maybe the same line of communication a consumer would have to use. Um, also early insight into what's on the development cycle, um, anything that can give a custom integrator, uh, uh, a leg up on just the broad channel of what's going to be introduced in, in ter- terms of, you know, broad retail or, or online and also some protection from pricing, um, uh, challenges as well. Um, that gets in a little above my pay grade as far as all how that works out, you know, but, uh, I, I have heard that a lot in conversations between integrators and manufacturers at different conferences and just, um, trying, trying to give some special, um, consideration on dealer pricing. And, um, I believe really it goes so far as to support of different conventions, you know, you see, a manufacturer supporting events at Cedia, doing trainings at a Cedia Expo, um, you know, advertising support, that type of thing. Sony was the very first advertiser to commit to residential systems when we launched that in my prior position um, company back in 2000. They they said, you know, we're we're interested in this new venture. We want to help you get it off the ground. And they they by having their support, it really connected a lot of uh, dots as far as other other financial support. So you see little things like that that are gray areas you wouldn't necessarily think right off the bat, but just to have a big big company like Sony, a big brand name like Sony, um, still sort of reaching down to a very small channel, which is the custom integration channel. But the further you think companies get away from the need for a channel like CI, um, it seems like the more they come back and realize we, we need this channel to help us get certain price point products sold um, to a certain consumer um, and also maybe helping support a new technology that just isn't as easy to understand when it goes straight to retail as opposed to working through a, a really dedicated person who's trained in how to explain that to the, to the end user that they're selling to. Yeah, very good. Ken, I, I'd love to get your insight working for a manufacturer and, and as a prior integrator um, on, on how brands and, and manufacturers can commit to the channel and, and, and what that looks like from, from your perspective. But I'm also intrigued with one of the things that they highlighted kind of at the end of the article on 
the way Sony's kind of created some turnkey marketing things for their dealers. So if you could kind of kind of give us some insight on on commitment, but also speak to how vendor driven marketing can really help integrators and, and how they can take advantage of it. Yeah. So Jeremy did a really good job touching on some uh, really valuable points, I think, um, for coming from the manufacturer into that CI channel. Um, certainly, I, I think you've got to do a couple of things off the, off the top. You've got to have a great line of communication with those customers. That means they can get to their salespeople if they need to. Um, they can get to tech support if they need to. They can get things resolved quickly, especially when they're out there on a job site and they need your support the most. Uh, so it's, that's absolutely important. Um, having a, a window into the technology and the roadmap that's coming out. Uh, I can tell you from an Alona standpoint, we do quarterly webinars for our, our entire uh, partner and, and uh, integrator base to let them know what's coming out for that quarter so they can count on, on, on those things. Um, I think training is a, is a really big component too. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to run the training program at Alona. And um, this is a, I think a really key point, and we've talked to a lot of dealers globally all over about this, um, having the ability to uh, get hands on the product, get hands on the knowledge, and to learn foundational information too. And what I mean by that is not just learn about my brand of products, but learn some uh, industry knowledge, uh, some technology knowledge that I really could apply to any, any job I do, to any technology or any of the brand that I work with. Uh, I think that's important that you build a base knowledge that they can share, give something valuable away without expecting something in return just from your product, support them, support their business and create a, a, a partner. You know, I, I think they really want that kind of a partnership. So I think that that's very important. Um, another thing that, uh, you know, I can't speak to everybody out there, but I think something that's worked really well from my standpoint and working for two manufacturers in this channel is providing that kind of training at no cost. That's free to help make sure that the partnership, we have a give and take and there are some tools and some basis for using my product and being successful out there in the market with that. So I think that's really important. Um, I also think uh, to really support the channel and to have that commitment, there needs to be a program in place, a, a pricing program, something that the dealer can count on, a reason to come and buy from you, a relationship to have with you and a reason to come back and continue to buy the, pro, uh, to buy the products. That's important to have. And there's lots of ways to get that. There's ways to get that direct. There's ways to get that to, through distribution, which I think is also very important because having a way to get your product out there in the market everywhere so that every dealer equally has a chance to get to it and have it when it's in stock, when they need it is also very important. Um, so those are some key things. And I think to your other point, Matt, about what, um, what can the manufacturer do from a marketing standpoint, maybe kind of sort of help those dealers. There's a number of things. Number one, whenever a new product is coming out, a new technology, um, anything's changing in the market, firmware, proactive communication to the dealer with tools, with training, with marketing resources, with templates, with emails that the dealer can reuse to go to their customer. I think it's real important to have some of those things out there. Some kind of a portal where a dealer can log in and get, get access to those things. And something that's been very successful for Alona uh, that our marketing team has done here are create successful case studies from what our customers have been doing. So they've had great success. They've taken Alona out. Uh, and then we partner with them doing all of the work, taking all the photos, writing the article, taking the emphasis or the workload off of the integrator who's already busy, coming in, creating a case study to promote what they've done and to show how successful 
uh, they've been with our brand and help other dealers use that same message and those same tools so they can be successful in their market. I think that's a real big piece too. I loved what you said about utilizing um, case studies. Yeah. I think it's something that for a lot of integrators seems like a tall task. And I know I've been a part of a few uh, on both a, a marketing side, but also as a, as one of the integrators and it, it is, it, it can be a lot of work, but it it really allows you to showcase what you do in depth more than just, Hey, here's a, here's a, here's an Instagram worthy shot of, of something that we did. You're right. You know, we've got a pretty nice, I'll see library of case studies mm -hmm. online now um, on our site, but that didn't happen like, you know, <laughs> last month. I mean, it's, it was years, it was years in the making to build that because it's not easy to get the time commitment and to get the end user commitment to do all that. And that's why I say, you know, we really want to partner with, and I think any manufacturer should really want to partner with the integrator, take the workload off of them and support it as much as you can to help make that dealer and others successful. Yeah, that's a very good point. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Tech Today. Does your smart home need cyber insurance? This is brought to us by uh, Jay Basin or Basson. Um, I always get that wrong, so apologies, Jay. Um, what what Jay's covered here is he, he's kind of given an overview of uh, a lot of the, the the cyber issues that are out there and and how they play into uh, your home. Uh, network environment. So he, he covers a couple of things and, and specifically talks about the fact that there, there's more to cybersecurity and, and, and the need for cyber insurance than just the, that potential hack on, on somebody's router. So from an integrator standpoint, obviously you want to make sure that you are uh, using best practices and, and that you hopefully have uh, these insurances as well. But uh, he, he covers, uh, I believe, six or seven uh, major insurance companies in the U.S. and and what their homeowner options are uh, for for cybersecurity and, and a cyber policy, if you will. Ken, let me let me come back to start with you on this. This is I, I would argue that this is a must for any integrator that that plugs in anything onto a network. That part of your insurance rider should include cybersecurity. You should have some level of something there. But anytime you're in someone's home and you're, you're dealing with their network as well, is it, is it your place to, 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 to mention to someone, is that kind of like a value add of, Hey, we know, and we carry insurance because we're working with your network. You can also get some insurance added to your, your homeowner's policy. Is that, is that a step too far for integrators to, to get involved in that conversation? Or is that, is that a nice just value add? It may depend on the relationship you have with each customer. Um, but I will say overall, I think it's a nice value add. I mean, I was an integrator for seven years. Uh, and, you know, I had kind of, um, I had a lot of friendships with my customers where mm -hmm. I think we could have that conversation where I could say, uh, you know, here's, you know, with all my experience in, a in AV and integration, here's a tidbit, here's something I learned. Maybe it's about, display or about electronics, about audio, or about cybersecurity. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing to do that. I think that's great. Now, that being said, there were a couple of customers that I had in the past where they probably wouldn't have wanted my advice on that. Um, probably, you know, they, they probably, 
you know, we're working in an industry or a business or something where, you know, this was, they were probably already three steps ahead of wherever my mind was at on that already. So, you know, I think you got to know your audience when you're bringing that up. But, you know, I think this is an interesting article. Um, it sort of made me do a little bit of an about face after reading it because I sort of always, you know, um, you know, cybersecurity isn't, isn't new. We all know about, it. we've all heard about, it. we see the ads out there, but I guess even in my mind, I hadn't really thought, gosh, I could just put that on my homeowner's insurance policy. And it's probably like, you know, $10 a month. Uh, it sort of is easier to digest and makes more sense now than it did two or three years ago, I feel like. And more equipment in, in my house is, is online and uh, more integrators are working with their customers and putting more online. So I think it's definitely the right time to have that conversation. Uh, you know, you have to approach it, I think is probably like, uh, as you said, a value add, because I, I don't think you're selling them anything or be expecting anything in return for this because uh, you're probably buying it through an insurance company, not through the yeah. integrator. But I think it's a nice, you know, additional information to pass on to your customer because you care about them. Jeremy, is, is there any responsibility here? And I, I kind of use that, I, I want to use that word specifically because we go in and, and as integrators, a, a lot of times, to Ken's point, we develop really close relationships, maybe not friendships all the time, but relationships with the majority of our clientele. We're on a first name basis. We have quite often alarm codes, access to cameras, access to all of these things. Uh, we know half the time we know where they put some of their most important possessions because that's just how we deal with things. Um, and we're involved uh, at, at such a level. Is there any responsibility there uh, or should there be a responsibility there for integrators to, you know, to touch on this fact as, as you're dealing with clients and, and, and you know that, that tidbit of information, you know, again, to Ken's point, I hadn't thought of this either. I had never thought like we have it for Omega, but I never once thought about, Oh, I should put this on mine at, at my house. Is there a responsibility there? Well, I, I agree. I, this was, you know, a revelation in terms of this article when it came in, I, we didn't, I didn't assign this article. <laughs> Jay, Jay just, you know, comes up with these great ideas and he sends me a piece that he's spent a ton of time on like this, where he's actually called the insurance companies to find out what their policies cover and uh, how they work and what the cost is. And I saw on there myself, as we talked about before the uh, um, podcast began recording, we, you know, have a certain insurance company on the, on this list and it's uh it's nominal for an annual coverage, you know? And, and I thought, why not just add that? I need to meet with my agent because, it would just give me peace of mind. And to be able to pass that information on to a client who trusts you and looks to you for technical advice, um, that can't hurt, you know? And the only, the only rub maybe for some would be, you know, well, aren't you my tech professional protecting me? Well, yeah, but there's also best practices that any of us who have the best technology protecting our networks need to follow, you know, don't click on attachments of emails that are, you know, suspect, you know, you've got to, you've got to be smart about certain things, change your passwords on a regular basis and make them complicated enough not to be, um, you know, uh, you know, hacked there. I, I went to uh, a buying group meeting where they had a professional uh, cybersecurity guy there. And, and he was talking to all the members about mostly protecting their businesses 
you know, trying to avoid ransomware issues, you know, and I know of a manufacturer in our industry that got hit by ransomware and I'm not going to say who it was, but it was not publicized and they were shut down for weeks as a result. Um, and I'm sure that was something where someone clicked on thing, something that looked like it was a legitimate request from a manager or somebody. Um, that's where you get kind of hung up. And, you know, the more we work from home with, um, you know, COVID-19, the more our, our office is becoming our home. Our home is becoming our office. And we're dealing with a lot more professional, uh, you know, correspondence and Zoom calls and different emails and, and texts. And so I think there's just more opportunity for that to accidentally happen. Not, not only that, but our kids, you know, doing remote learning and there's just all kinds of added opportunities for something to go awry on the network. Um, so to be able to give your client best practices to follow and then say, oh, and if you really want to be safe, maybe consider the insurance that I, I just read about, you know, this yeah. is a policy opportunity that, especially for the high net worth people, that's nothing, you know, it's mm -hmm. pennies, you know, for any of us, but it'd be ridiculous not to consider it. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a great value add and um, something that you're not required or responsible to do, but I think it would just be a, a good um, sort of citizenship kind of thing to say, Hey, this is something you ought to consider. Yeah. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap this up with a final story that comes to us from residential systems. And uh, a good friend of mine and a good friend of the show, Mr. Henry Clifford, the battle of next week, part two of you from the trenches uh, in this article. Uh, Henry goes through uh, a couple of things and, and how he likes to, uh, I don't want to say take Fridays off, but he takes some time on Friday to deal with some, some things that aren't necessarily part of his day-to-day -day integration life. Uh, and in this, in this article, he goes through a day that, you know, he normally tries to step away a touch and prep for the following week. And it, it kind of fell apart and became this, this massive other uh, slew of issues. So read through the story. It, it, it's a really good article. And if you've been in this business for any more than a minute, uh, you've, we've all had these days as, as Ken's kind of smiling over there. Relatable. <laughs> yep. Yep. Very much. So <laughs> I feel like I had this last Friday too. Jeremy, let me, let me come back to you and start with you on this one. I love, I love the, the honesty that Henry always has in his writing. Um, but I also love the, that, that first, really that, that first paragraph where he talks about the fact that he, he reserves Friday for writing and running and flying and other things that are not part of his day-to-day -day, uh, job. And it, it's, it's his day to kind of have some space to think and step back and, and plan things out for the future. How important is it that we in the industry, in the business, where it is very, and, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It, I, I view this industry and this job kind of as a bit of a high stress situation because you always have clients that have the world is falling. And there's always these big issues that seem to come up, um, especially now with COVID because if your systems don't work, Somebody's not going to school. Somebody's not working. All of these things. How important is it to take time to 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 plan for your next week, your next month, and not to just fly by the seat of your pants all the time, reacting to things? I, mean, I think it's one of the number one responsibilities of a president or CEO of a company, CEO in particular, 
And you hear it over and over again from veterans of this industry who um, they, they, they preach the Michael Gerber book, I believe it is, that he, I think he's the one that says to work um, on your business, not in your business as a CEO. I believe that's his, his quote. I was trying to find it real quick. But um, anyway, it's a very apt um, phrase that a lot of integrators who are trying to be better leaders use. And that simply means, you know, you once were the guy out there pulling the cable, you climbing through the attic. Um, but now you need to, to step back and, and be the visionary, the one that guides your, your team and sees the things ahead that are coming. They're going to perhaps be, um, challenging in the coming week or month or year and, uh, strategize like when you see that there's a dip in, um, uh, orders or, um, projects on the horizon, like he was saying there that, uh, you know, they're, they're doing really well right now with actually working on projects, but there uh, was a little blip in the schedule where it doesn't look like there's much booked for the next few months ahead. And that's troubling. But if you're in the middle of a project and you're not like looking ahead, you're not going to know that needs to be remedied. Um, but, you know, even if you are sort of stuck in the day to day, putting out fires and, you know, no, no one's perfect. No one can be a completely... Um, step away kind of CEO in a small company to be able to dedicate that time and to just think for a day or so. I mean, that, that to me is great for anyone just to be able to breathe and to actually ab absorb what is going on around you and do some planning and not just be reacting all the time. Um, it's, it's a great goal. And I think very necessary, especially in a small business. Yeah. Very good. Ken, I've, I've left the Easiest and hardest question of the day for you. All right. You're welcome. Um, how do you, how do you find the time to do it? How do you dedicate the time to, to, to planning or deal with things? <clears throat> that's you're right. That's, that's an easy and a hard question at the same time. So easy question is to sit down and, and make a, you need, <clears throat> you got to, Write it out. Okay. That's the easy way to say it. You got to put that plan down that says, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I intend to do it, when I intend to do it, and how I intend to do it, and get your ducks in a row to make it happen. But we all know things don't go as planned, especially when, when you, it is a small business and you wear several hats and you're in a pandemic. Uh, things don't go the way they need to. So while you have to write it down, you have to build some flexibility into that as well so that you have checkpoints along the way where you can make some changes if you need to. Um, that's the only way, you know, that you're really going to be able to make time and dedicate to it is if you commit yourself to it and it's in writing and it's there. And it doesn't mean you get rid of it if you have to make changes. It means you reshift some priorities again and you go in another direction and you still build it in. Uh, that's, that, that's hard to do. I can tell you, I mean, seven years, I ran my own integration business. I wore all the hats. Uh, and as Jeremy said, I, you know, I climbed through the attics and under the houses and I programmed things and I sold stuff and I did the, the books. Uh, you do that all. And, uh, you know, then I worked the weekends and I never came home for dinner. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that kind of stuff happens. Uh, but at some point, there has to be a spot where you go, OK, you know what? I can't continue on like this forever. What steps do I put in place? To, uh, to build that time to make those decisions. And maybe the first step is. Uh, reaching out to somebody who's had success with it and talking about it and getting some ideas about it uh, and, and see if you can go from there. 
Yeah, very good. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Ken, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Aplona, where can they do that? You can always catch me at ken.eagle, E-A-G-L-E, just like the bird, at atlona.com. Or you can check us out at atlona.com on the website. Click on training. You'll find me and my whole team there with all kinds of cool resources, all free, by the way. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Mr. Glowacki, if people want to connect with you, subscribe to Residential Tech Today. Where can they do that? They should go to restechtoday.com. Please definitely subscribe to the magazine, but also uh, check out the little click down uh, menu for our podcasts. I, I host a weekly podcast that uh, I talk to industry professionals, sometimes inventors. This week we spoke to Phil Jones from uh, from the Sound United brands. He's the new newly um, promoted director of global brand activation, really great energetic guy and had a fun talk with him and learned that he was a, an MP uh, for the Top Gun Naval uh, base at, by San Diego when he was uh, a kid. Miramar. Yeah, that's right, Miramar. That's exactly right. And uh, he said that the, the pilots don't look like Tom Cruise, but they all think they are. So uh, that was pretty entertaining. But uh, check, check that out. It's a lot of fun. Excellent. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.